I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, we will review something we previewed last week because we both loved the terror. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. Roseanne's back, and she's raising the bar for TV reboots. <laughs> that's because that's her last name's Bar. Wordplay. Jeff is also going to preview one of his favorite shows, which is coming to an end. First, it's the news from the couch. Oh, hell, do you read me? Do you read me, hell? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, hell. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Warner Brothers is celebrating the 50th anniversary of one of the most prestigious movies in its catalog this year, 2001, A Space Odyssey from the late, great Stanley Kubrick. If you've never seen it, it's about, well, it's hard to explain, but it's very cool and it looks terrific. And the ending is super weird. I guess the beginning is super weird too, but the middle part with Hal, the rogue space station computer, trying to kill the astronauts, that's pretty entertaining. Warners will show an unrestored 70 millimeter print at the Cannes Film Festival May 12th. Unrestored simply means while they use the original film elements to make a new print, they did not monkey with it. No digital touch-ups, no remastered effects, no different edits. Christopher Nolan will present the film as Kubrick was a big influence on him. And of course, Nolan has his own space odyssey with Interstellar. We must confront the reality of interstellar travel. If you can't get to Cannes, they will do some big 70mm screenings in the United States, no word on Canada, but there is still good news. They are going to release a new Blu-ray in the fall, a 4K one, the first time the movie's been released like that, and I'm sure there'll be all sorts of new extras on the disc to mark that 50th anniversary. Al, I won't argue with you anymore. Open the doors. Dave, this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Is this what freedom looks like? What will happen when I get out? There probably is no out. Gilead is within you. The full trailer has arrived for season two of the best drama at the Emmys of 2017, The Handmaid's Tale. I can't explain this away. They will say that we're part of the resistance. If you'd shown that girl one ounce of kindness, she would never have left. The Handmaid's Tale is based on the famed book by Canadian author Margaret Atwood. It's set in a dystopian future after a second American Civil War where the U.S. has fallen and become a totalitarian society known as Gilead, where women who are still fertile become handmaids and are forced to have sex to hopefully bear children. It's a horrible, awful place which hides behind religion. You will love the Lord thy God with all your heart, or you will feel the pain of his judgment, for that is his love. Thankfully, while Gilead may be an awful place, The Handmaid's Tale is television excellence with an amazing cast led by Elizabeth Moss, Joseph Fiennes, Yvonne Strahovski, Samira Wiley, Alexis Bledel, and Dowd, just to name a few. Season 1 ended where the book ends, so Season 2 is completely fresh territory for those who haven't read the book and those who have. No matter what, I'm not going to stop. I'm trying to keep you alive, you and our baby. 
She left me once. Now I have to leave her. If your house has been infected with terrorists, I need to know. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. We come here, we work, we die. The show hails from the American streaming service Hulu, which initially planned to do only one season of The Handmaid's Tale, but the 10-episode limited series was such a success with critics, audiences, and awards shows alike that a second season was ordered. And the future of mankind depends on what we do today! Season 2 will be 13 episodes. It will debut with two episodes on April 25th. You can watch it in Canada on Bravo, and if you have not seen Season 1, you can catch that on Crave TV. My name is Juno Osborne. I am free. There have been a lot of rebooted shows the past couple of years, and even more rumors about reboots, re-ups, reunions, whatever you want to call it. NBC has not been shy at all about saying they want The Office to come back. When I said that I wanted to have kids, and you said that you wanted me to have a vasectomy, what did I do? And then, oh, when you said that you might want to have kids, and I wasn't so sure, who had the vasectomy reversed? And then when you said you definitely didn't want to have kids, who had it reversed back? Stip, stop, stip, stop, stip, stop. I did. Okay. You have no idea the physical toll the three vasectomies have on a person. This week, John Krasinski, who played Jim for nine seasons, said he's in. What kind of bear is best? That's a ridiculous question. False. Black bear. Well, that's debatable. There are basically two schools of thought. Fact. Bears eat beets. Oh. Bears. Beets. Battlestar Galactica. When asked about the possibility of The Office coming back, Krasinski told IndieWire, quote, It's one of those things where I'm sure people don't believe me when I say I would totally do it, because the truth is I would totally do it. Careful what you wish for, Jimmy. NBC might take you up on it. He did add a caveat of sorts, though. He would not want to do a full season, and in fact doesn't want Jim to return to The Office. Jim and Penn announced they were moving to Texas in the series finale five years ago. What he would like to see, though, is a Christmas special. And I can't say I disagree. The British version of the show ended with a Christmas special. It was pretty terrific. And Krasinski's office, the American one, always made a point of making a really good Christmas episode each year. Oh, judgment is nigh, for the Belschnickel is I. Yes, he is finally nigh. I am nigh! Krasinski says, quote, I love the idea. Coming back, finding out where everybody is, I would totally be down for that. I'm down with it too, honestly. Of all the shows that could make a comeback, The Office would get my vote, but with a new cast. The premise is just the kind that can be an ongoing thing, adding new characters over the years, just like all of our real-life workplaces. I'm sure NBC will have some sort of plan. We'll just have to wait to see what it is. Oh, Benchnickel oh. has traveled from distant lands to discover how all the boys and the girls have been behaving this last year. <laughs> oh, too much strudel. So he's kind of like Santa, except dirty and worse. Spotted a trailer for a movie that looks like solid family fun this fall. It's the film adaptation of a kid's book from 1973 called The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Hello, you're Lewis, I presume. You'll see. Things are quite different here. Like that old clock on the wall. 
It stars Kate Blanchett, Jack Black, and some kid. It's about 10-year-old Lewis, a.k.a. some kid, who has to go live with his uncle in this big old house where something weird is going on. The house is a very old place. There's a clock in the walls. We don't know what it does, except something horrible. So, you've told Lewis everything? Well, not everything. Turns out the clock has a tick-tocking heart, and soon Lewis discovers a world of warlocks and witches when he accidentally awakens the dead. Whoops. Oddly enough, it's directed by Eli Roth, known more for his gross-out horror movies like Hostel, or my personal favorite, his grindhouse trailer, Thanksgiving. White meat. Dark meat. All will be carved. Thanksgiving. Most recently, Roth directed the Death Wish remake with Bruce Willis. The House with a Clock in Its Walls was written by Eric Kripke, who is the creator of one of my favorite shows, Supernatural. Saving people, hunting things, the family business. So this movie's based on a good book, it has a good cast, a good writer, and a not terrible director. The House with a Clock in Its Walls opens Friday, September 21st. Have a look around. You're perfectly safe. That's safe? As long as it's fed. Good news this week for Monty Python fans. From now on, I want you all to call me Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. Well, why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. I don't like spam! I want to buy some cheese! My brain hurts! Morning. I'd like to buy a cat. Certainly, sir. Got a lovely terrier? No, I want a cat, really. Oh, yeah. Listen, tell you what. I'll file its legs down a bit, take its snout off, stick a few wires through its cheeks, there you are, lovely pussycat. Almost everything from Monty Python will be coming to Netflix in just two weeks. And we're the lucky ones. Usually American Netflix is better stuff than Canadian Netflix. But being part of the Commonwealth is paying off here. The UK and Canada getting everything in April while the US deal will take longer. So what does it all entail? On the 15th, Netflix Canada will get the movies Life of Brian and the Holy Grail, the sketch show Flying Circus, a bunch of live shows like Monty Python at the Hollywood Bowl, and some documentaries, a pretty good pile of stuff. I didn't see the meaning of life on the list, but that actually doesn't mean it won't be there too. Again, it all drops on Netflix April 15th. This parrot is no more. It has ceased to be. It's expired and gone to meet its maker. This is a late parrot. It's a stiff, bereft of life. It rests in peace. If you hadn't nailed it to the perch, you would be pushing up the daisies. It's run down the curtain and joined the choir invisible. This is an ex- now for something completely different. Now let's talk honor. You know where Sonny is. 
war. I'm just trying to get a sick kid through the lines. You got this. That is a clip from the first trailer for season three of one of the most colorful shows on TV, AMC's Into the Badlands. I've come to offer you salvation. All I ask is that you submit to your Messiah. Fire! Join us or die. Into the Badlands is a post-apocalyptic martial arts fantasy epic and is incredibly fun. It has the best action scenes on TV and some of the most stunning imagery. Season 3 debuts on AMC Sunday, April 22nd. If Pilgrim's a person I have to face to save Henry, then so be it. Try not to kill anyone. Or everyone. That is the news from the couch. And up next, we'll tell you which Best Picture nominee is coming home. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes, having a look at what is coming to home video this upcoming week. Let's start with the Best Picture nominee. What's it called, Jeff? The Post. So, can I ask you a hypothetical question? Oh, dear. I don't like hypothetical questions. Well, I don't think you're going to like the real one either. Do you have the papers? Not yet. Yes, The Post, starring Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, a Steven Spielberg film, and it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. And guess how many it won, Brett? Zero. Correct. It and Lady Bird shut out at the Oscars. Kind of a heartbreaker. Uh, the Post, I'll say, is the third best movie about a newspaper I've ever seen. The first being... Spotlight? All the, all the President's Men. Oh, okay. And the second being Spotlight. And uh, the interesting connection between The Post and All the President's Men is that Hanks, with his weird accent, which I still don't understand, <laughs> plays uh, Washington Post editor Ben Bradley. And in All the President's Men, that same guy, Ben Bradley, was played by Jason Robards, who actually won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for that film. Oh, interesting. And uh, All the President's Men, also nominated for Best Picture, losing out to, I believe, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And Spotlight actually won the Best Picture, so if you make a movie about a newspaper, it'll probably do pretty good at the Oscars. <laughs> it'll at least get nominations. <laughs> so that's coming to digital HD platforms this upcoming Tuesday. Uh, and you enjoyed it, right? Yeah, it was. it's really good, yeah. It's uh, not the best Spielberg, but it's by no means the worst. Okay, uh, just a quick sidebar on Spielberg. Last week I suggested, uh, I basically promised that I would go see Ready Player yeah, One this week. Yeah, you're all full of... I had been and vinegar. That's right. I had been invited to the screening, which was on Monday, and uh, I had to, I got stuck in the doctor's office for like three weeks. So no or worries. three weeks, three hours. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> I was there for three hours, not three weeks. So I didn't go see Ready Player One, but it is live? getting. It, I'm going to live. All right. It's getting decent reviews, so I, I I think I still might go check it out on a big screen because even though it doesn't look like it's going to be the best story from a. Uh, spectacle perspective it might be worth having a peek at what else is coming to digital hd liam neeson stars in the commuter okay not to be confused with the computer it's the one where he's on the uh, subway and he gets a mysterious message and 
is what is it? Oh yeah, they he gets blackmailed like, you know, do this for us or we're gonna kill you and all these people, blah blah blah. Yeah, Vera Farmiga is in that, so that looked kind of fun. Yeah, like a I uh, wonder if there's a real mystery to it or not. Coming to DVD Blu-ray on demand on Tuesday. What have we got? Uh Insidious The Last Key. That's a horror movie we've talked about on the show before that yeah. uh, you weren't too high on it. No, it's the I think it's the fourth or the fifth in the Insidious series. I don't know, I don't care. And uh even worse, a comedy called Father Figures, which is originally titled Bastards and was supposed to come out like 15 months ago, okay. is finally out. Starring Owen Wilson and Ed Helms. They play brothers who uh, go off in search of their father. They've never known their father. And then uh, uh, their mother's played by Glenn Close. And then they, they find out there's all these different guys that could be their dad. So I guess she's a bit of a tramp or whatever. And uh, <laughs> some of these potential fathers are Ving Rames and Terry Bradshaw. There's some old guys or whatever. It's supposed to be a comedy that got just just raked over the coals by critics and didn't make any money either. And in the final 20 seconds we have here, uh, season three of Ballers starring The Rock. Yeah. Not as good as season two, but I do still enjoy Ballers, which is about the NFL. Up next, Jeff reviews the return of a landmark American sitcom. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and a brand new show debuted this week. Well, new again, I guess. It's Roseanne. It's time to laugh again. Tuesday, March 27th, one of the greatest comedies of all time will be resurrected. I thought you were dead. Why does everybody else think I'm dead? For a whole new generation. You're babysitting. This is so unfair. You're ruining my life. You all suck. I ain't seen that movie in 20 years. Roseanne returns Tuesday, March 27th on ABC. Uh, classics really do hold them. Indeed. The gang is back. Darlene and her kids move back home with Roseanne and Dan because she's out of work. Um, her husband, I don't know if he died or they got divorced, or maybe it was Becky's husband that died. They did explain it, I, but they just said the guy's name and I couldn't remember which guy, which sister that went, that guy went with. They sort of, they assume you remember all the history of Roseanne, which I just don't because I literally haven't seen it in 20 years, like he says. Yep. Anyways, they're all sort of down and out like they always were. Roseanne and Jackie have been feuding, apparently, because Roseanne voted for Trump and Jackie is aghast, and that's got to actually be an actual conversation slash fight that's happening in thousands of American homes. They also tackle a lot of other social issues, as the show has always been wont to do. I thought it was great. I was of course skeptical going in so it had its work cut out for itself trying to win me over and it wasn't perfect i don't know if it's the hd of it all but the set looked very sitcommy and you know last time we saw it it wasn't an hd and you could sort of hide a lot of stuff and it must have always looked like that but you know we don't see a lot of classically presented sitcoms anymore either so maybe that's just why it's so jarring now there was also always a very real realness to the old show you knew you were watching a sitcom but it was weirdly one of the most believable shows. I think it was because of how strong the writing was in terms of flowing from comedy to dr drama and then back to comic stuff, often all in the same scene. It is definitely a sitcom, but it could deliver a really heartfelt, dramatic blow just at the drop of a hat. It was very reflective of all our lives. I didn't grow up as poor as the Connors, but it was, you know, closer to them than growing up like so many of the Richie Riches you see on TV shows that are just, you know, fake, like you know what I mean, right? It's like no one lives in a house like that that has that job. Yeah. <laughs> so 
the Connors have always sort of been a little bit more realistic on a lot of fronts. The good news is the show still does all the good things that it used to do uh, just as well. It might take a couple of weeks for me to get reused to the rhythms of the old sitcom style, but the debut showed everyone involved still has their comedic and dramatic chops. Roseanne herself is so good at playing the put-upon matriarch, cracking wise about all the crap she has to put up with, but ultimately just having to put up with it. Now she's a grandma. She doesn't quite have to put up with as much, but she still is the one who's running that house. John Goodman, Laurie Metcalf have proved plenty of times over the years they are top-tier actors. And Sarah Gilbert crushed it. Uh, She is... More than a few of us crying in the first episode, I imagine. Good stuff all around. I am on board. And frankly, this is changing my views about these reboots. I never watched Will and Grace, so I didn't care about that reboot. I couldn't offer an opinion on it as I hadn't seen the original. But I was sort of in the back of my mind, you know, rolling my eyes like, this is a dumb idea. But this Roseanne deal, it's a good thing. So I may be less skeptical if they ever do reboot The Office or something I used to watch. So you say that it was good but not perfect. That's kind of the what I gleaned from various headlines with will and grace when i found what i found with that first episode when they returned Mm -hmm. was that they they seemed to be firing all cylinders and i don't know because i never actually watched the original will and grace but it was funny and the chemistry was a hundred percent there yeah but it felt like they were they really wanted to come out of the gate strong on the politics front oh, yeah. and it was actually very distracting from the show i enjoyed the second episode way more yeah and i ended up just kind of dropping off because will and grace sort of piled up on my pvr and i said you know what i didn't watch the show to begin with so i sampled it it's fun those who watch i mean that's gonna that's been renewed for three seasons now or two more yeah. two additional seasons so that's gonna be around for a while but uh, do you so do you think that maybe this was just kind of like a, a return jitter episode uh and i think probably not even so much on their part as it was on like my part it's just uh, it's like oh yeah well it's, it's just it was so weird to see it again right yeah. and because you aside from will and grace and the fuller house or whatever like this is all still pretty new territory it just it, it is just jarring to get plopped back into these tv shows that have been gone for so long so i think it was mostly that and it was and also i mean they do have to do there's a lot of pipe you need to lay to kick these shows off, to kick any show off. Yeah. Like, there, how many shows can you name where you would say the first episode is one of the 10 best episodes of that show? Almost never. Mm-hmm. So I think it was, it sort of had that sort of thing to do. They had a lot of fun, a lot of these meta jokes with, because uh, they famously had two Beckys over the course of the show and they both were on this show. Yeah. So that was really, that was, there was well, one, one of them, little One of them is playing a brand new character or something, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, except she wants... The new Becky wants the old Becky to be the surrogate mother of her child, so they are, in a sense, becoming one Becky. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was really weird. Okay, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. So I am looking forward to it going forward. I, I think it's just a it's also just a ten episode season or something right now. I imagine they'll do more if it's a big hit and everyone can get paid. Now let me run this past you, Will and Grace. When it ended. It ended with Will and Grace having gotten married and gone their separate yeah, ways, yeah. and uh, they both had kids in their individual lives. Clearly, that path has been ignored. I think they blew that off in a like one throwaway line in the return episode, oh, really? like it was a dream or some nonsense like Just that. Like at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, yeah, with C three PO, wipe his memory. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and now in Roseanne, they've clearly blown off Dan's death. So. But in the finale, when they announced that Dan had, that was a shock in the finale that 
Dan had died because in the finale, Roseanne was writing a book that showed that the whole last season was a fictional. Oh. That was just a story she made up for her book. So they could bring Ben back to life by saying, oh, she made that up for her book too. Oh, that was, was, <laughs> was she writing the book in the original series finale? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so at the beginning, or not at the beginning, but in one of the, they, Dan found a copy in the garage in the episode this week. It's okay. like, you shouldn't have killed me off in this thing. Oh, <laughs> okay. So they, they sort of got lucky there where they had this. This th- this thing they created twenty years ago about Roseanne writing a book that they could. Oh my God! I had no it's idea. Still, I think if you really examine it and pull at the thread too hard, it might not really. It might come unraveled a little bit. But well, but yeah, but it's they could juke it so it makes sense. Well, and that was the, the where I was going with that yeah. was given that these are comedies. Do you think that that's why people are completely forgiving about this? Because if this was a hardcore drama, like if they brought Breaking Bad. For example, yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, they they brought back characters who had been clearly killed off, right? Like, who, like one character who was blown up, uh, and they brought this person back like it never happened. There, the fans would go insane. People would not stand for that at all. So, especially, why did... especially with something like Breaking Bad, which was so meticulously plotted yeah. throughout. I think, yeah, it is a sitcom. I don't think they could even do it with every sitcom. Yeah. I think they can get away with. Uh, some of these, these aren't like nerd sitcoms where people will get too uppity about it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think if they tried it with Seinfeld or even Friends, that uh, people would have a much harder time with it. Okay. Oh yeah, no, uh, Chandler and Monica never did get married or something dumb like that. Up next, Jeff Braun. Kudos to Jeff Braun. He watched something scary again. First it was <laughs> It. Last year, and now he's watched a scary TV show. First it was Get Out, then it was It. Now well, it's a scary TV okay, show. Okay, that's right. Okay, Get hey. Out counts as horror. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all coming up next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Last week we previewed a new show on AMC, and this week we're going to review it. It's called The Terror. AMC's The Terror is epic, sophisticated horror. Our situation is more dire than you may understand. Gloriously foreboding, full of scenes that chill the blood and quicken the pulse. I will not lose another man. Five stars, The Terror. In case you missed the setup last week, The Terror is a 10-episode anthology series. It officially debuted Monday with a two-hour premiere, but it snuck in a one-hour special presentation debut on Sunday, which had a lot of people initially complaining that The Walking Dead was a two-hour episode. It wasn't a two-hour episode of The Walking Dead. AMC just listed it that way so you would record the full two hours, which included the first hour of The Terror. Sneaksy. Yeah, they hoodwinked their audience. It's based on the best-selling book from 2007 by American author Dan Simmons. It's a fictional account of the search for the Northwest Passage. The real event happened in the 1840s. Captain Sir John Franklin's lost expedition to the Arctic with two ships, the HMS Erebus and the HMS Terror. The novel in the AMC series follow Franklin and his crew as they deal with starvation, illness, mutiny, cannibalism, and just for fun, they're stalked across the frozen Arctic by a big monster. Here's a clip. As a trusted friend once put it, this place wants us dead. What could have done there? There must be a bear. A bear did that. Son only wants it, Prince. Large, 
20 inches across. I do not believe it is an animal we battle. Not a man, not a bear, and what? Whether it was our grief or fatigue, I cannot say, but some of us became convinced that it continued to track us. Here, back to the ship. It's the ice, Georgie. It's only the ice. Now, the wreck of the HMS Terror was recently found in Nunavut in 2016, about 100 kilometers north of where the Erebus was found in 2014. What really happened remains a mystery. That's why they're having this fictionalized story, because why not? As you heard in that first clip, many critics like the show. Jeff Braun, what did you think? I really like the show. I like the I love the premise. It's a, you know, a great story about the mystery of what happened to these guys up in the Arctic. Frankly, I'm not sure that it needs the extra sci-fi element of the monster. I mean, you know, I guess the author wrote it in the book or whatever, but I just thought there was a lot of inherent drama and conflict just in the basic situation of these two ships that are currently, one episode in, sort of stranded up in the Arctic. So, yeah. uh, But I don't know. I guess I felt the same about Lost. I was like, oh, what do they need a monster for? Lo- <laughs> stuck on an island is plenty enough, isn't it? But yeah. that worked out all right for them, so hopefully it works out <laughs> all right for this. It looks great. I don't know. I guess it's CGI ships or whatever a lot of the time. It looked really cool. Yeah. Like, that was amazing. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And like I said last week, I love ship stuff. Uh, the actors were all great. Jared Harrison, Kieran Hines. They're always top notch. Everyone else on the show, I think, was new to me. And, uh, you know, I'd uh, turn the subtitles on. I think you probably did too. <laughs> but uh, just A, the British accent. B, the jargon of the navy from 150 years ago it's like all right we got to turn on the subtitles here so i can follow along there was a little bit of that i found myself rewinding and stuff and looking up stuff online too it's i don't know that i needed to do that or if it's just if, if someone says anything in a tv show and i don't understand it i, I hit pause and i look it up you know yeah. what i mean so i was doing that quite a bit I, but i was really into it i really enjoyed it i didn't find it too scary I thought it was, like the guy said in the clip there, the, the ad for it, the gloriously foreboding and yeah. eerie and creepy. It wasn't too terribly scary. There were a couple of moments there and a couple of little gross things. I remember uh, the second episode is called Gore, and we were joking before we saw it. It's like, what is this going to be? Uh, but then it turned out to be a guy's name, so I was like, all right, that's all right. But you, the, you also mentioned there's uh, cannibalism to come, perhaps, that might... If that gets Corey, that might turn me off a little bit. Yeah, hopefully it's not too much because I know that AMC has no problem with the gore on The Walking Dead. But the difference with The Walking Dead is it's the most of the gore is from zombies and you know, that's yeah. supposed to be gory that's stuff. True. Yeah, and that's why people tune in. So. Yeah. So yeah, I mean most of the notes that I jotted down are very similar to what you wrote down. I mean, I, I I'll start by saying that I think the terror is an early front runner. At this point, it's an early front runner to make my top ten for the really? year. I really enjoyed those that's first awesome. two episodes. I found that I really enjoyed the dialogue. Like it was excellent and it was witty yep. and it was supremely well acted. Jared Harris is uh he's such a good actor. The yeah. opening credits oh, yeah. were amazing. They're typically not even AMC, which is a it's it's a cable network in the in the United States. But the opening credits were like something you would see on a premium 
cable now. Yeah, AMC doesn't, now that I think of it, they don't spend a whole lot of money on credit. Breaking Bad and certainly Better Call Saul weren't breaking the bank on credits. Yeah. Mad Men had a cool thing, but again, it was all animated, so I don't think that cost a whole lot either. Yeah, so the the opening credits were cool. It was just so tense. It was There was so much dread. I was constantly on the edge of my seat. Some really beautiful shots. There was a shot where they had to go under the water where one of the guys had to dislodge some ice from the boat's propeller, and it just it looked really cool. Yep. And then it was really scary. So yeah, that I was, was like, neat. Dude, get out of that water. <laughs> yeah, they've created this wonderfully painful backstory between the two main captains, and uh, there's serious tension between them. And you kind of wonder what's going on between those two. And then when you learn it, it's really tragic and sad. And so, that part must be true. Because it would be, that would sort of, you know, cause to be on record or people live to tell about that's part of their story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it must be. But uh, yeah, it was just, it was wonderful. And just like Jeff, I couldn't make out what they were saying half the time. So I had to keep flipping the subtitles on. So either the couch potatoes are really dumb <laughs> or uh, hopefully we're not alone on that. Uh, we've got about a minute 45 left. Jeff, you got to preview one of your favorite shows, which is coming to an end. The Americans. There's trouble back home. What are you talking about? Something came up. One of our couriers went over to the Americans. It's been a gold mine. We're going to get the illegals here and all over the country based on what we're learning. The Russians are sitting down with us in public negotiating this big treaty, but behind our backs, they're still on our weapons and our technology. We've been mad about this a long time. I get why, but this is it now. We believe in something so big. They tell us what to do, and we do it. But we do it, not them. So it's on us. All of it. Americans final season premieres March 28th on FX. Yes, the final season of one of my very favorite shows just began this past week. For five years, we followed the Jennings family. The show is set in Washington, D.C. in the 80s. The Jennings are a regular American family, except... Mom and Dad are actually Russian spies. They've been grooming their teenage daughter to follow in their footsteps, and now with just a couple handfuls of episodes to go, we'll see how it all plays out. There's always, of course, the added wrinkle that their friend and neighbor Stan, the FBI agent who's been hunting them down, will figure out what's going on. At its best, The Americans, the most suspenseful show I've ever seen, a thrilling spy story with what feels like very real life and death stakes throughout. They have not been afraid to kill off major characters, and since it is getting to the end now, uh, and a Cold War fizzling out doesn't make for a great finale it does feel like anything can happen we'll find out in the next uh, few weeks over on fx canada for the end run of the americans also on fx uh, starting on april 3rd that's tuesday season two of legion which is their x-men related show it was easily the the best in terms of overall quality for superhero shows it's a really neat nice trippy show so that is coming back that's all the time we have i'm brett he's jeff we are the couch potatoes next week is the april movie preview and remember if it requires getting up off the couch don't bother (laughs) 